Chapter 36 of Fairy Fingers by Anna Cora Mott Ritchie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. Chapter 36 The Suitor. Lord Linden, when the Vicomte de Gremont abruptly left him, returned to his lodgings and, in spite of the lateness of the hour, wrote to madeleine implored her pardon for the presumption into which he had been lured by his ignorance of her rank and formally solicited her hand that night the happy nobleman's dreams when he could sleep and his waking thoughts when he courted slumber in vain had an auroral tinge hitherto unknown as soon as the sound of busy feet transversing the corridor announced that the much-desired morning had at last arrived he rang his bell gave his letter into the hands of a sleepy domestic and ordered it to be delivered immediately what was the next step which propriety demanded to see mademoiselle de gramont's relatives to make known his suit to them and to solicit their approval he considered himself fortunate in finding both madame de gramont and count tristan at home the former received him with as much cordiality as her constitutional stiffness permitted but the latter appeared to be in a half lethargic state he scarcely rose to welcome his visitor spoke feebly and indistinctly and as he sank back in his seat leaned his flushed face upon his hands my visit is somewhat early remarked lord linden but i was impatient to see you for i came to speak of your niece mademoiselle de gramont the count looked up eagerly madame de gramont replied before her son could speak the person whom you designate as my niece has forfeited all right to that title and is not recognized by her family i nevertheless venture to hope returned the nobleman with a marked suavity that under existing circumstances the alienation will only be temporary the countess broke out angrily the impertinence of this young person exceeds all bounds she gave us to understand that she possessed at least the modesty to hide her real name and had no desire to disgrace her family by proclaiming that it was born by a person in her degraded condition but this is it seems only another evidence of her duplicity and covert manoeuvring she has taken care that your lordship should become acquainted with a relationship which we can never cease to deplore you do her wrong replied lord linden with becoming spirit i regret to say she so scrupulously concealed her rank that i was led into a great error one for which i now desire to amply atone it was from monsieur maurice de gramont that i learned the true nature of the so-called mademoiselle melanie maurice cried the countess and her son together 
I received the information from him last evening, said Lord Linden, and I have now come to solicit the hand of Mademoiselle de Gremont in marriage. The suggestion that Madeleine could thus magically be raised out of her present humiliating condition, and that all her shortcomings might be covered by the broad cloak of a title, took such delightful possession of the haughty lady's mind that there was no room even for surprise. While Count Tristan was vehemently shaking hands with Lord Linden and stammering out broken and unintelligible sentences, his mother said gravely, "'We consider your lordship in all respects an acceptable parti for a member of our family.' I have ever entertained for Mademoiselle de Gremont the strongest affection in spite of her lamentable eccentricities, but these I would prefer to forget. Yes, that is it. That's the trump card now. Forget, forget all about it, cried Count Tristan hilariously. He had recovered his power of utterance, yet spoke it like a man partially intoxicated. Let the past be forgotten, bury it deep, never dig it up. There are circumstances which had better not be mentioned. I myself have been mixed up with the affair. Of course, I was an innocent party. I beg you to believe so. It's all right, quite right, quite right. Though it was so evident that Count Tristan's mind was wandering at all events, that there was no connection in his ideas, his mother could not stoop to admit any such possibility, and said sternly, "'My son, your language strikes me as singular. Lord Linden, of course, comprehends that he has our consent to his union with Mademoiselle de Gramont, but we also wish him to understand we expect him to remove his wife to his own country.' or some other land where her history will not be known, upon this condition we will pardon our relative's vagarities, and give our sanction to her nuptials. Lord Linden was not a man who could, with any complacency, consent to have conditions enforced upon him by the family of the lady whom he selected as his wife, his pride was quite as great as theirs, but before he had obtained Madeleine's consent to his suit, it was politic to preserve the favor of those who could influence her decision. Turning to Count Tristan, he observed, I sent a letter to Mademoiselle de Gremont this morning, and I hope to be honored by an answer during the day. Would it be asking too much if I beg that you would see the lady and inform her of the flattering reception which Madame de Gremont and yourself have given my proposals? I will go at once, replied Count Tristan. An open visit, of course. No need of concealment now. Where's my hat? What has become of it? It's gotten the trick lately of getting out of the way. Count Tristan, though his hat stood on the table before him, tottered across the room, looking about in a weak, flurried way. His mother was not willing to attribute his singularly helpless, troubled, and childish demeanor to the perturbed state of his brain, and said severely, 
though addressing her words to Lord Linden, Count Tristan's gratification at the intelligence you have communicated and his desire to serve your lordship appear to have somewhat bewildered him. He was always very much attached to Mademoiselle de Gramont. Attached to her? Certainly, certainly, replied the Count. Though she did not always think so, I was devotedly attached to her when she imagined quite the contrary. This is my hat, I believe. He took up Lord Linden's. "'I beg pardon, that I think that is mine,' replied his lordship, and then, indicating the one upon the table, which Count Tristan apparently did not see, asked, "'Is this not yours?' "'I suppose so. It cannot be anyone else's. There are only two of us. I wish you a good morning.' With a forced, unnatural laugh, he left the room. Count Tristan's deportment, in general, was almost as calm and stately as that of his august mother, though it was only a weak reflex of hers. Accordingly, the change in his demeanour surprised Lord Linden unpleasantly, but he took leave of the Countess without endeavouring to solve an enigma to which he had no clue. End of chapter 36